on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. Hey, you guys. What's going on? It's episode 262 now of the Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab studio. What's up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we are pumped about this. Kim Shepard, one of our great anchors at Cairo Radio. She's part of the Ron and Don Show afternoon drive for years. Also, one of the best storytellers you're ever going to meet. Speaking of storytellers, Kyra Sario's here also, a great storyteller. For years working at Cairo, also one of the great anchors. Now, these guys have teamed up, and they are doing a true crime podcast that we cannot wait to tell you about. It's called in fact, Scene- the police are going to burst in any moment <laughs> and arrest me and Don. This is a setup. Uh, anyway, they are here. We're excited to talk to them. And it's thanks to Les Schwab that they're here, and we'll introduce them and jump into the scene of the crime on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, I don't know about you, but it's almost summertime, and that means it's time to hit the road. And we love family road trips at my house, and I bet you love family road trips too. And don't forget, Les Schwab right now, before you hit the road, stop by Les Schwab Tire Center. Make sure your alignment's straight, your brakes are going to break, your shocks are going to not shock you, and also your wheels and tires, that they're ready to go. And right now, Ron... Some big savings at Les Schwab, right? Yeah, that's right. You can save up to $200 when you bundle select tires, brakes, and shocks, as well as get a free pre-trip safety check. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount applies to a set of four select tires and depends on tire size and type. Cannot combine with other offers. Details at leschwab.com slash sale. You can schedule that free pre-trip safety check at leschwab.com or just stop by. Les Schwab Tires doing the right thing matters. Hi, I'm Ollie. Hi, I'm Emmy. And we sat down with Ron and Don. If you're downsizing, upsizing, or right-sizing, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit-down. I don't think we've met any other realtors who have kind of their knowledge or experience, whether or not you're looking to get into developing the property so that you can rent parts of it out, or you're just looking for a family home for yourself. Um, they, they kind of know all the areas. They invest in real estate themselves. They're very nice and kind. We're always on hand. And um, yeah, we're so happy that we went through our first real estate purchase with them. What set Ron and Don apart was the fact that the the knowledge that they had of the ADU, Daydu, Airbnb game, um, putting the numbers together and comparing, um, having that knowledge was definitely uh, set them apart. Um, We wouldn't have been able to be where we're at in terms of buying and renovating a house without his expertise and support. I really love how Ron and Don complement each other. Yeah, Ron and Don work really well as a team together. It's a great team to be a part of. And I think their contrasting personalities really makes for a better engagement with us. And so Don's, you know, got so much energy and enthusiasm and passion for building and, and checking out and finding um, great deals and great properties. Ron is kind of calm, really understands the process of buying a house 
And I think just is that kind of calming influence when things can get pretty kind of tense and emotional throughout the process. And I think the balance of personalities really complements one another and kind of makes you feel excited, but safe at the same time. I see them as as friends now. I feel like they've made me feel part of this community and knowing that, you know, Dawn's just down the street is is comforting. (laughs) Don't forget when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at runanddonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. I realize it's not easy. Charlie the dog and I have to listen to these two jokers every day. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 262. As I already told you, uh, Carolyn's here. Kim Shepard is here. First of all, welcome, you guys. Great to see you. Great this, to see you This guys. is amazing. I'm Got the so whole excited. gang back together. <laughs> Ron and Don, sit down. Woo! Yeah, and it's funny because... <laughs> and I'm huge fans of your guys' podcast, by the way. Well, thank you. We have, a lot, we have lots of love in this room. We all work together in Terrestrial Radio. And the weird thing was, when I saw Kim, it was just about... And by the time you've heard this, it's a couple days old, but they had just announced that that week we could now go outside and inside without our masks. Kim is the first person that I've hugged. Oh, that's you, nice. you, that's great. Besides my son and my family members and all that, you're like the first stranger danger that I got. That, and well, it felt so good. I don't know how it was for well, you. I've been vaccinated, like, so that's so that's what I, you need to know. Okay, yeah, it, 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 that's it, awesome. I'm so excited. And, and, and Ron, I knew you had a chance to hug Carolyn, and you weren't well, sure. I didn't know. You, you, I, I, I did the elbow. Little, I'm you, feeling you a little sore. You gave her the elbow. Well, I want to. I want to err on the side of being cautious because I don't know what other people's. Uh, orientation is around the vaccine yet. Yeah. I did want to ask though, before we jump into the new podcast, Don and I have talked multiple times and our conclusion is we are so excited to not go to the radio station. Every oh day. yeah. And oh, I'm yeah. wondering if you guys have had similar relief because I look back at it now and it's almost like I, brainwashed is too strong of a term, but conditioned to think, this is the only place you can broadcast. You, we, we control the signal. We control the studio. You have to come to, and like doing that for 20 years, that's just how I thought. And now I, I built this studio, which is not the greatest studio in the world, not as good as your studio, but it works. Yeah. And people hear us and like, it's the, the people that want to find our show, find our show. And I'm glad to not have to go in and listen to the suits. It's just day. so nice to be able to really use all of your creative juices. Right. You know, when you're when you're going into somebody else's building and you're doing a show that somebody else is asking you to do, you kind of have to follow somebody else's rules. But now that, you know, we're doing our own thing in our own space, we can do it how we want. And it's just it's really fun. There were so many times where someone would be like, yeah, we're going to need you to mention the NASDAQ at the top. It's like, <laughs> dude, nobody cares. Yeah, well, it's like. Yeah. Or just, traffic. Yeah. You 18, 20 times an hour when there's not even an accident on the road. Right. And, and yet we talked about the energy. Like we all felt it instantly once once you press play. I I mean, we were all like, yeah, I mean, I miss that kind of frenetic energy. And as a storyteller, like eyeballs to eyeballs, when I'm talking to people, it's been a real challenge over Zoom. And like sometimes like I'll keep my my camera on, even though their camera may not be rolling so they can see my facial reactions. My I mean, it's just a way to connect. I don't like to just look at myself um, and just Mm -hmm. sit there and go like this the whole time. But it, it, it is a connection. And I do miss that connection. Yeah, so um, I think a, a good balance is when, is always when what you I'm had a full for. newsroom and there was a breaking news story that was exciting. Yeah, when you were covering and actually helping people in real I'll t- time. I'll tell you what I didn't like though. What I didn't and, and this isn't to to because I don't want to dumb on Cairo, but Cairo's owned by the Mormon Church. When Ron and I got there, 
all the hosts were men. Women were not allowed to talk outside of being an anchor. Women were not allowed to give their opinion. And, and, and even when we left there, it was still very much that way. It was still owned by the Mormon church. It was still, I would get called into offices sometimes and it'd be like, why are you giving Rachel Bell so much airtime? Why are you giving Libby Dankman so much airtime? Why are you allowing Kib Shepard to speak so much? And it's like, because they are the greatest storytellers that we have in the building. And to lock them up and put handcuffs on them and say, they can't speak. They can't give their opinion. And, and, and hopefully that radio station, and I haven't listened to it in a while, but hopefully they've grown. Hopefully by putting someone like Ursula Reutin on the air, giving her a voice, allowing her to share her opinion. That was the thing that always pissed me off about working there. And, and, and I tried really hard to just, to just be shoulders for women. And I hope that our show did that. I hope that it did that. Because every time that Kim or Carolyn or, or, or Rachel or Libby or Brandy, anytime you guys stepped to a microphone and told a story, it was riveting. And the, and the thing is, you guys had influence. You guys had connection. And I think that's why this podcast right now is so important. Uh, and, and let's talk about this podcast because you guys, once again, are telling very, very important stories of things that have happened here in the specific Northwest, as my son likes to call it, that can't be contained in a three-minute version on Cairo or Como or somewhere else. Yeah. So, Kim, tell us about the podcast. Tell us what you guys are doing. And uh, congratulations on the rise of it, because this thing's really exploding right now and really taking off. Yeah, it's been so much fun to get to know so many different people in the podcasting world and yeah. and feel all their creative juices and bounce off each other and work together like with you guys, you know, and be on other podcasts. But um, our podcast, Scene of the Crime, uh, just talks about true crime from the Pacific Northwest. And we call it Scene of the Crime for two reasons, one of which is that we want to talk to the people who were there at the scene of the crime when things took place. And also we, we do this um, really fun kind of scene setter the first few minutes where we take you there through sound mm. and we use a lot of music and sound effects to really help you feel like you know what it was like when this crime took place and then once we describe the crime then we go into the details of the backstory and and we uh, have a lot of interviews we talk to both victims their families investigators you know anybody who has expertise like forensics experts genetic genealogists cc moore um just to get insights on whatever the case might be and so carolyn were you a crime aficionado or did you just look and go this is a hot category in podcasting let's do this you know it's interesting the evolution that i felt within myself with it because true crime was something that I kind of kept under wraps, especially being in news. You don't want to be like that person. That's like, you know, it, it's there, there's different levels to true crime where you have people who wear the t-shirts that are like, you know, Ted Bundy was here or whatever. And, and it was when I listened to the cold podcast, you asked mm. kind of when I yeah. first started it and uh, that's the Susan Powell case. And I was so riveted. I was, as a storyteller, the layers and digging deep and like, I mean, it just was a story, a horrific story, but it's still going on right now. And I feel like he did such an amazing job on that podcast that that wet my appetite. And then this total recall of like the Nancy Drew when I was a kid and Sherlock Holmes and, and the Hardy Boys, you know, all of that kind of rose to the surface. Now, since we've been doing it for about a year and a half now, it's kind of like, I think we all have some trauma that we have experienced in childhood. And I've listened, I'm such a huge listener of your guys' podcast. I, I listen to it as a jog, you know? Nice. And um, I think that 
you know, like I remember one time you said something to the effect of, of like you were, you were told to suck it up in football. And now you're kind of having those feelings of like, Hey, maybe that wasn't really a great thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't just suck it up because it's going to come out in some other, other area. And you guys are kind of as men, you know, figuring yourselves out. Right. Um, I feel like that's kind of my evolution with the podcast, like trauma in childhood, trauma and things. We, we always try to keep it about the people, the survivors, the victims, their families, and not about us. But I think through it, it's like you just have this pull to these stories and, and you want to tell them so well. And so, Kim, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. You were raised in the same way we were, of like, don't get attached, don't have an opinion, you're the voice of reason, you come on and do the news. But I know you as a human being, do you get attached to these <laughs> stories and, and you're talking about stuff on people's worst day of their life? Yeah. And there are times where it does stick with you and, and it's really hard to compartmentalize and put that away. Um, but it really helps that we have free reign, you know, because we're doing this as a podcast, we can talk to whoever we want to talk to. We can make the story as long as we need to make it to tell the whole story. So it's almost like a way of fleshing it out and like working through it as we create each story. We're able to, you know, be a voice for the victim, a voice for the family, but also sort of work through why does the story bother me so much? What can I learn from it and what can I use and, and apply to my own life? Because we always, when, when we would get a news story about a, a child uh specifically uh, sometimes don and i are like we can't we can't do it yeah a school shooting like there were times when the, the program director would be like school shooting all hands on deck let's go 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 and don and i are like this is the 75th school shooting that we've had to cover and we don't want to go wall to wall talking about children that were shot again yeah uh and so i don't know i just we don't do school shootings on her. It's kind right. of like a decision that we've made. There's there's one there's cases that we just kind of were like, you know what, we don't we don't want to do that. But then when we also kind of explore that within ourselves, why don't we want to do that? Like one of the to your point, there was a case that was happening, you know, in the newsroom, those cases come like every five seconds. It's a new story. The other story's gone. What happened to those people? And one of those cases was these Emory brothers that were in Green Lake, and it was like three brothers who lived in this, like, I don't know if you... I remember the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? who are these people? What happened? And um, it was one of our first episodes. And then we found out, like, one of Kim's mentors was like, dude, do not do incest stories. Don't do it. And we were just like, well, why not? And it's like, people just can't handle hearing about, you know, traumatic incest stories. And we're like, you know what? We're going to do it. Yeah, we were told that, like, you know, if you do stories about children being abused or incest or anything like that, people are going to turn it off. You're not going to get listeners. You can't do those stories. They're going to turn it off and watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, right? (laughs) But for Carolyn and I, it's like, but this is important to us, and we feel like there's a real message here. Mm -hmm. There's something people need to know. Um, And so we're going to do it. And, And, you know, we didn't lose listeners. And I think it's because of the approach that we took. You know, we took it seriously. It wasn't to be salacious. It was to really inform and understand. Yeah. So let's talk about the Emory brothers. Who, who yeah. were the Emory brothers in, in, in season one? And talk about covering, covering that story for those that don't, don't remember. Well, the Emory brothers were like, there was four of them. Three are still alive. One of them had like this property in Bremerton. And three of them lived in Green Lake. They'd, they'd never been married. And it was just, they were kind of like the people in the neighborhood were like, well, we always kind of thought, you know, they kept themselves, you know, that's that trope that's often associated with, with that. And 
I guess one of the the eldest brother, and they're like in their 70s. One of them is like 80. He got the 80-year-old was in ill health, and his the person that was responsible for his stuff was a niece because they never had any children. All these three guys lived together, never were married. Well, I think one of them was married and quickly divorced. Anyway, just kind of odd, right, on this prime piece of property in Green Lake. And um, so the, the niece went there, and she saw this trove trove of child pornography. Mm. And and so she felt like, hey, we got to call, you know, I need to call someone. And so that started that whole process. And they, the FBI was there and they thought that because there was a Lindsay Bond poster um, and she was a girl that you want to She was a girl that yeah. went missing and they were still looking for her at that time. Her remains have since been found. But at the time when they went into the Emory Brothers house, they didn't know what happened to Lindsay Bond. They were the guys when the FBI shows up, you're kind of like, yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see them being weirdos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. One of those things where all the neighbors sort of knew there was something suspicious. There was something weird. And I think what we got out of that case is the fact that because people didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. that's why it was allowed to persist for so long. It was actually a case where there were generations of incest that this these guys were a part of. We never heard that in the original news story because nobody dug into it. But when we dug in, we found out that there was at least three to four generations of incest um, recorded with this family. But because nobody wants to talk about it, it's allowed to continue. Right. And that's exactly why Carolyn and I said, no, we're going to talk about it because this has to stop. Yeah, so you have to listen to season one. To find out what happened to the Emory brothers. Uh, But let's talk about this. Uh, We live in a time where we're saying that black lives matter. We're living in a time now where we're saying we're seeing a lot of Asian hate crimes. Uh, Ron and I grew up in a place in New Mexico where Native Americans, we're we're not even talking about Native Americans yet. And and I do think there has to be a reckoning uh, in this country of the way that we have treated Hispanics. Uh, there was someone working on one of my jobs the other day and, and I went to take a picture with him and he was so concerned about the picture I was going to take with him. And he's been in this country for 30 years working his hair off, but he didn't want his picture out on social media and I didn't press and I didn't ask why. Uh, but in order for black lives matter, for Hispanic lives to matter, for Asian lives to matter, uh, for Native American lives to matter, it, it's really important that we're able to tell not only their stories about what they're going through today, but also a lot of these stories that have been buried about what has really happened when it comes to crime and black and brown people. And I know that's really important uh, when it comes to Native Americans and something that you guys have been working on, right, Kim? Yeah, so our, our most recent case that we covered was a Native American woman who was raped at a party when she was 14. She was kidnapped by um, people who wanted to use her as a sex slave. And the police never looked for her. She was missing for four days. And the only reason she was ever found is because her mother was an important person in the American Indian movement and was known throughout the community. And basically, you know, word got out that her mom and this whole community would come down hard if her daughter wasn't returned. And so after four days in captivity, she was finally allowed to return home. But throughout that whole time, the police never got involved. 14 years old. And they just said, well, maybe she ran away. Let's just wait a few days and see what happens. Mm. And, and the sad thing is, is that her story is so relatable to so many in the Native community. 
it happens far too often. And we got an opportunity to talk with with several women from the Native community for one of our latest episodes. Um, you know, one of the things we learned is that this this history of dehumanizing Native women is so clear. If you look at the records, there were newspaper postings from the early 1900s in in Oregon, in Washington, that said, "Hey, you want a piece of land? Go marry a Native woman, and then leave her and take her land if you're a man, because that was legal back then." And there were advertisements for that. Wow. And so there's there's just so much history that has led up to where we are now. There's so much distrust. And, you know, there was there literally was a war. The Yakima War was fought over women, Native women who were raped and the men who did it weren't prosecuted. And so the Native community went out and, and took vengeance for themselves. And because of that, the Yakima War was started. But you won't actually read about that in most of the history books because it's been whitewashed. You'll hear there were incidents, there were rising tensions, there were clashes, but they don't really describe what is that? What does that mean? And so when you really hear the stories of what actually took place, it's shocking. And you can understand why to this day there's so much distrust between you know the native community and outside law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But we really wanted to... When we were going to, we talked a lot, I think out of all the episodes we've done, this was the one that we really wanted to, um, we needed to understand it ourselves first. We, you know, you mentioned the history and digging deep and understanding and talking to Washington State Patrol, because, you know, I think our brains sometimes want to have the easy answer. Like, is it a serial killer that these numbers are so crazy high? Um, You know, like the murder rate for Native Native women is like, what is that? It's higher than any other ethnic group. When yeah, you look it's like at, 10 times higher. Yeah, murders I mean, by people from an outside ethnic group against that ethnic group, it's it's higher than any other, including Hispanic, Black, everything else. Hmm. So our job was basically, we need to understand the information. As storytellers, we need to to be compelling and, and let them tell their stories, but also, you know, do it in a way that people are going to care. Yeah. Do you see, and, and I saw a story the other day with State Patrol, for instance, that they now have someone that is dedicated mm-hmm. to these cold cases, especially with Native American women. Are we yeah. beginning to see law enforcement say, yeah, these lives do matter, and even those lives that have been uh, extinguished, we need to go back and we need to find out what, yeah. what happened? Because it just can't be white people's lives matter when it comes to horrible, horrific crimes that have happened. Uh, they deserve to be investigated, and they deserve... They deserve justice, too. We were able to talk with the Washington State Patrol. We actually spoke with both of the tribal liaisons. There's one for Eastern Washington and one for Western Washington. And um, they both have long histories with the Native community. One of them has been working as sort of a tribal liaison for more than 20 years. The other is the tribal member herself who actually had her mother murdered. And so she understands what these victims are going through, what their families are going through, and she can really help um, be that bridge between the state patrol and these families. And you hope, and you, you hope, Carolyn, is, is trust is developed, then more people will open up and, and speak their truth, right? Because absolutely, you have to trust the, someone in order to share your truth with them. Well, and the, the government, our government needs to do the job of, of, of going back there and showing there's a bill Um, is it 2022? It's Mm -hmm. like, bring them home. And it talks about getting something like a red thunder alert, which is like an Amber alert, which should be just like a no brainer. Like, yeah, if a native woman goes missing red thunder, you know, there's just, there's things like that, that can be done that not only shows predators out there that, that, you know, 
and the Washington State Patrol, Chris Loftus said, you know, hey, if they know that there's a place where it's like you could go, it's a free for all and nobody's going to do anything. You know, that's how Ted Bundy got away with what he was doing for so long, you know, and so they know that. It, it, it's like, I, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's easy pickings. Like they can just go there and do what they want. And there's going to be no ramifications or, you know, no justice for the the victims or the survivors. All right. So the podcast is scene of the crime podcast. You can find it on anywhere you listen to podcasts. What have you guys, what's, what have you learned becoming professional podcasters? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. The biggest one is the difference between psychopath and sociopath. <laughs> Which, oh. which one am I? Uh, you, you had Ron and I mixed yeah. up for a long time. Uh, I think I did. I think I did. I don't want to no, tell you which is no, which. Definitely. Don, you're the sociopath. Uh, yeah. No, actually, I have a trivia question that I just came up with last night. It's oh. changed. Doing true crime has changed the way that my brain processes oh my just gosh, about everything. Yeah. So I'm watching this medical drama, okay? And I see somebody resuscitated. And my immediate reaction is thinking, okay, so if you try to murder somebody and their heart stops for several minutes... But at some point, they're resuscitated. Are you charged with murder or attempted murder? Oh, I'm going to guess attempted murder. I don't know the answer, but oh. I just think it's really scary that this is now where my mind goes. Yes, that is scary. <laughs> we'll see you on the other side of this. Please hit subscribe. Please write a review. Don't forget to sign up for the Ron and Don newsletter at ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 262. Our thanks to Les Schwab for sponsoring uh, today's broadcast. And don't forget, uh, Kim Shepard, Carolyn Sario are here. The name of their podcast is Scene of the Crime. Kim, what's kind of next as you look into the future? And what if there's people that are listening to this and they want to hear your podcast, how can they do that? Yeah, we're at sceneofthecrimepodcast.com. And you can also reach out to us, send us an email on there. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram, Twitter, you know, any of the social stuff. But right now, we've actually taken a short break from our weekly episodes. We usually do a new story every week, but we're doing a season-long story, uh, the mysterious death of Autumn Stone right here in Seattle. Yeah. Mm, Autumn nice. Stone. Who's Autumn? Carolyn, who's Autumn Stone? Oh, my gosh. We did um, one episode that was our longest episode an hour and a half I think and um it was just heartbreaking heartbreaking in a way on so many levels that people can totally relate to Did this and happen at Green Lake it happened in Green Lake and it was in uh Labor Day of 2019 uh August 30th and they found her body floating she was a young mother she had just given birth four weeks earlier and um, at first, they weren't sure if it was a homicide or a suicide. But when they unzipped her coat to try to rescue her, um, they saw this cord wrapped around her neck. And so it's like, how did she get in the water? How did she get? I mean, if it was a suicide and she zipped it up tight, how would that happen? So there's just um, so many twists and turns in the case. And uh, it's really like taken on, you know, you talk about cases that have such an impact on you. Like I'm like best buds with the PI on it. And we're just like hoping to bring attention to the case because the yeah. uh, ME um, ruled it as undetermined, which is like only done 3% in King County where mm. they don't know how it happened. They can't explain how she got in there. ME's medical examiner for those of you that are in the true crime biz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, if people have an idea about a story, how can they, how can they reach yeah, out? Yeah, we it? actually, most of our stories that we've done have been suggestions from our listeners because they're the people who know, you know, what are you curious about? What unanswered questions do you have? Or have you been involved with some kind of true crime that you think people need to know about? And yeah, just shoot us a message on Facebook or scene of the crime podcast.com. 
And are there more psychos in the Pacific Northwest than other Absolutely. regions? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. No you know, I, I ride horses and I have found that just about every trail that I ride in King County, a serial killer has laid somebody to rest there. Oh, well, wow. and, and we're a year and a half in and we've just scratched the surface. So that, and we only do crimes in the Pacific Northwest. So that should give you some indication of, of just how many. All right. I'm going to bring my son out to ride a horse with you. Oh, that would be so fun. I would love it. We went horseback riding one time and he was scared to death of the horse. Yeah. But then about two minutes in, it was his favorite thing he's ever done. And he's 11 now. Now he's working on his diving certification. He's becoming a diver. Scuba? Yeah. Because wow. we, we went swimming with the turtles and now he wants to like dive down with the turtles. So we're working on that. We're going to go to uh, Maui in June and go, go diving with the turtles. And then uh, tell also, you what, you take me to Maui and I'll take him to a horse. Right, How about a, that? Okay. Sounds like a deal. And, and he's a boxer now. So we're boxing and we're diving and we like riding horses. So, which I'm over three on those things, but I'm, but I'm trying. <laughs> as long as you have people I'm who like, have horses. Where's the football, man? Let's wrestle. Anyway, punching is good. I like boxing. It's like what they say about boats. The only thing better than owning a boat is having a friend who owns a boat. That's, Same that's, with horses. That's right. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on all your success. I really mean that. It's thank really, you. really great. And if you guys are listening right now and you're looking for a great podcast, check out Scene of the Crime. Hit subscribe. And then every time they have a new episode, boom, it'll just drop right into your uh, right into your mailbox. It's pretty it sounds cool. like you know a lot about podcasts, Don. Know a little bit about it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for being here, you guys. It means a lot. We'll take a picture before you get out of here. He's Ron. I'm Don. Ron, if people want to get in touch with us, how can they do that? Do not go to Scene of the Crime. <laughs> <laughs> go to uh, ronandonsitdown.com. You can email me directly, ron at windermere.com. This is a great time of the year to buy or sell real estate. Yeah, so we'd love to sit down with you. Uh, yeah, ronandonsitdown.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. Thanks for giving us great lives. Thanks for hitting subscribe. And uh, here's my son to take us out. And don't forget, keep your head up, shoulders back. And we'll see you next time. Oh, my! On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.